We're going to be discussing some financial matters. There were some recent pronouncements made by the IMF pertaining to Caribbean countries and their need to focus on their finances. Let's welcome to our program to discuss some of these very, very important matters. She's been with us on numerous occasions. Let's welcome her back. That's Indira Sajiwan. Good morning to you. Nice to have you with us once again. Morning, Satish. Um, thank you for the invite. Uh, morning to all your listeners. And we do have with us as well a gentleman who's joining us for the first time. And uh, he is the Executive Director of Caribbean Policy Research Institute. That's Dr. Damien King. Good morning to you and welcome to our program. Good morning, Satish. Thank you for having me. It's nice to have you with us here this morning. And the panel, definitely, we have some interesting things to discuss. But um, our listeners are very familiar with Ms. Jiwan. But Dr. King, let me give you the opportunity to familiarize the listener a bit. Tell us a bit about yourself and some of the things that you're involved in. Uh, thank you. And it's nice to be joining you here from Kingston, Jamaica. I have been, I'm an economist and I'm the executive director of the Caribbean Policy Research Institute, which is a public policy think tank headquartered in Jamaica. And our objective is to look at policy issues and policy decisions that Caribbean governments face in the areas of managing their economy, social issues, environmental matters, and governance. And our website, caprecaribbean.org, has the nearly 100 reports that we've published over the last 15 years. Mm. Uh, definitely some great information. Um, so the the interview is based on the statements made by the IMF <coughs> pertaining to Caribbean countries needing to focus on fiscal policies recently. Um, which one of you wants to tell us exactly what did the IMF had to say about the Caribbean? I leave that to Indira. All right. Um, hi, good morning, Damien. Good to be um, on the program with you. Uh, firstly, the report is a report um, for la the entire region, Latin America and the Caribbean. And the um, the IMF pointing us towards the direction of greater fiscal discipline is nothing new. The IMF has, um, has done so repeatedly. Of course, everything was interrupted by a pandemic and then a war in Russia and, and all the implications that, that came with that. And so that post-pandemic, the, the region as a whole has been um, credited by the IMF for its capacity to have to have weathered the storm of the pandemic, to have been resilient to it, to have used a fiscal stimulus. Um, and, and the fiscal stimulus would have been for, your, for the benefit of your viewers Things like um, government uh, providing um, providing uh, income uh, support to individuals who would have lost their jobs or um, because of the pandemic, the support it would have given to to businesses, small businesses in particular. Um, those kinds of of um, um, policy um, decisions that would have been made by governments throughout the region in order to be able to support the uh, citizenry through that very difficult time. Um, the IMF is saying once again to countries, okay, well, the pandemic is, is over, and now you must return to um, focusing on issues such as debt management, um, 
of fiscal moving more and more towards a, a budget um, balanced budgets not de- running continuously to run deficit budget this was accepted in the pandemic immediate post-pandemic era where we weren't really so worried about countries running up debt that were over 100 percent of their gdp etc but now once again the imf is saying okay that's now over and countries need to to refocus on on these very important issues. That's only one side. Of course, on the other hand, it's also telling us that we need to address the structural issues um, within our economy in order to increase the value of our GDP, to diversify our economy, to be able to have new sources from which we can earn for an exchange, to be able to earn revenue in order to be able to deal with the, the day-to-day management of the economy. So that, in a nutshell, um, Satish, is what the IMF is, is suggesting. Certainly from my perspective, I'm sure Damien has stuff that he would want to add. Well, you know, um, my first good decision was to leave the summary to Indira. That was an excellent uh, succinct summary of what the IMF had to say. If I may put it in a slightly larger context, it's a, I think it's a fair statement that if you look at the history of economic management, the area in which governments most often and most damagingly go awry is in balancing their revenues and their expenditures, that is to say in fiscal management. So, so the IMF's focus on that really is in this larger context that fiscal management has been a difficulty and a bugbear for every country in which things have gone awry. So when you see countries uh, having to suffer through high inflation rates, inflation rates that go up to 20% and 30% and sometimes 100% and hyperinflation, the source of that is fiscal mismanagement. The source of that is not having sufficient revenue to pay for the government's expenditures, and then they print extra money, and that fuels inflation. When you see countries around the world with high public debts, again, that is because governments are not able to restrict their expenditure to the amount of revenue they have, and they borrow the difference. So, so this the, the IMF is right to focus on good fiscal management and fiscal governance. And it is particularly relevant in the Caribbean because the Caribbean has the majority of the most highly indebted countries in the world. Last time I looked a few years ago, six of the 10 most indebted countries in the world were Caribbean countries. And the root of it was fiscal management or one might want to say fiscal mismanagement. Mm -hmm. So, So it's an important area to discuss. And that the IMF has highlighted it is, is is quite appropriate. Is it that? Is it is it that regional leaders, uh, and this may sound facetious, but is it that they don't know what they're doing? Because, um, uh, and I'm asking the question. It might sound comical, but it's a serious question. How is it that we find ourselves with six countries among the most um, mismanaged when it comes to finances in the Caribbean? Whoa. Is, is it know, that? I actually have the answer to that question. Okay, I love great. when you ask questions, I have an answer to. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so there, there have been many instances of egregious fiscal mismanagement, but the problem in the Caribbean is actually more prosaic than that. The problem is our vulnerability 
of external economic shocks and particularly to natural disasters. We did an analysis, Capri, along with the Caribbean Development Bank, did an analysis of indebtedness in the Caribbean many years ago. And we came to the conclusion that when you look at the housekeeping budgets of most of these Caribbean countries, there is not a lot of examples of, of you know, outrageous fiscal profligacy. What happens is that there is, is that when a natural disaster comes along, you know, we looked at periods where we saw public debt in, in, in certain countries take discrete jumps at particular points in time. And when we went back and looked at the historical record of what happened when those countries suddenly became more indebted, what we found was hurricanes. Mm -hmm. That when a natural disaster hits, then the government has, has expenditures, emergency expenditures it has to make, that, that leads to borrowing, and then we end up being, being indebted. So, so what we really face, and this is not to say it's the fault of the hurricanes, it's still fiscal mismanagement. But what it means is that our governments, despite the fact that we live in a vulnerable region and small economies have a lesser capacity to be able to manage these fiscal shocks. Uh, and let me just add a sentence on that. You know, we speak about a hurricane hitting Miami or hitting New Orleans. A hurricane doesn't hit the United States. And so they have thriving economies uh, and fiscal resources from the entire rest of the country to send emergency aid to Miami or New Orleans. We don't speak about a hurricane hitting, you know, Kingstown, St. Vincent. We speak about a hurricane hitting Grenada or St. Vincent or, or Jamaica. A hurricane hits the entire island. So we don't have that kind of, you know, uh, fiscal resilience. And so it's really important that Caribbean governments take this vulnerability into account in their fiscal mismanagement and put in place the instruments of fiscal resilience to be able to deal with these kinds of shocks. Mm. That's that's an interesting bit of information. Yeah. It's a really interesting perspective. So we're talking about acts of God that place uh, additional financial burdens on economies that that are already struggling in one way or the other. And I, and I guess if you take it to your household, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and something onto what comes about, it's a real challenge to grapple with, and it's the same. But Excellent analogy. Uh, but um, uh, take taking it a little further, let's take Trinidad and Tobago, for example. We are not necessarily victims of natural disasters on that scale that it shakes our economy. We need to seek outside help. Yeah, we have a flood now and then, but we grapple with those, and it does not necessarily cost us as much. But we've been running deficit budgets since 2009. That's 14 years. Uh, just for a bit of information, is there any other country in the region that has been running a deficit budget for as long as we have? Uh, there are several of them. Mm -hmm. In fact, Jamaica, when, when you look at the entire period since independence, uh, which is 60 years ago, up until 2000 and well, up until about 10 years ago, Jamaica ran fiscal deficits nearly every year. You know, for 50 of those 60 years, well, for 40 of those 50 years, up to 10 years ago, mm -hmm. Jamaica ran fiscal deficits, which explains why 
Jamaica at every point in time before that either had high inflation rates or rising public debt. So um, it's, 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 gener it's generally a problem. And if it is something that has persisted, uh, which it has in the case of Trinidad and Tobago, then that speaks to uh, a failure uh, that lies at, you know, at its root in partisan competition in the in the electoral arena. So now that the IMF has made these pronouncements, which are not new, and we we've come on the front burner with issues that have been confronting some of us in the region for a very very long period of time, what's the way forward, um, Mr. G1? But before we talk about the way forward, I, I just like to weigh in in terms of um, a lot that has been said. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I, I, I concur, obviously, with the issue of our vulnerability. The region is extremely vulnerable. Um, and, and, and even the extent to which we can prepare ourselves, because um, to prepare yourself to have buffers, it, um, uh, in, in there is, a, is a, an assumption um, an implicit assumption that you have the means by which to be able to put resources aside in order to be able to deal with those um, eventualities that you cannot uh, predict. And, the, the, and, and it is somewhat questionable the extent to which, especially the small islands in the Caribbean, would have, that, would have had that kind of capacity to be able to, um, to, to effectively plan for those kinds of things, especially the rate at which um, they would have been hit. If we take, for example, Dominica. Dominica was not even yet, they, they, they were hit by two hurricanes. I think it was Maria was the first one. Before they even came out of being able to make to, to recover from Maria, they were then hit by a second one, can't remember the name. And, and even while they were trying to recover from that, they were hit by the pandemic. How does a country, a tiny, small island state, really prepare for that but it is very real and it is certainly something that i think at a regional level we have to uh, have conversation and maybe what we need is buffers regional buffers rather than maybe uh, the, the the buffers um at at a country to from a, at, at a country to country level certainly i don't think it's beyond us to be able to find a solution so that's on the one side of it the other side of it in terms of running the, the fiscal deficit you know, fundamentally, uh, Satish, I don't have a problem with countries running fiscal deficit. To me, the problem resides in what you do with the deficit that you run. We must have, we must accept that most Caribbean islands are not capital rich. They 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 relatively capital poor. Um, so their capacity to be able to to, to generate. This, the amount of revenue they need to, to meet the expenditure is really the problem. So the problem relies uh, rests in the fact that our capacity to earn is limited. But then we have to ask the question: Why is our capacity to earn limited? Um, are we doing sufficient to diversify our sources of revenue so that we can move ourselves away from having to continuously borrow in order to simply um, maintain a certain standard of, of living? And in my view, herein lies the problem. If you, if I, if I go back to your analogy of the household, right? If I am, I, I, I have, I'm, I'm running my house, and I suddenly realize, you know what? I don't have enough money to be able to, to go to the three flats that I want to go to, or to take my children on a vacation. 
So you know what? I'm going to go borrow the money in order to do that. So I borrow the money and I spend it out on the feds. I take the children out, et cetera, et cetera. That's money that, that is dead money. And it has not improved my lot. It has not approved my capacity to be able to repay that debt. It has not um, uh, improved my capacity in order to be able to earn more income. And herein, in my view, lies the problem. The, the, the countries in the region, we tend to run deficit budgets in order to support um, recurrent expenditure, whether it is to pay wages and salaries or it is, it is in the case of Trinidad and Tobago to support a, um, uh, a transfer payment that is about 50% of our annual budget. And we and it comes back then to the, the paucity of our development models. We do not take that money that we borrow and put it into in, uh, and, and invest it in ways that can put us on a pathway to having additional sources of revenue. And that, to me, is, is, is something that we need to address if we want to seriously, from a sustainability perspective, address the issue of, um, of reducing over time the, the fiscal deficit that we continually suffer and um, we reduce our debt to GDP ratios in a meaningful way, et cetera. Mm. Let's see. Let's so, see. Yeah. I, okay, so if, I could, if I could build upon that. Uh-huh. In terms of the difficulty of managing the vulnerability because of lack of resources, we should bear in mind that when countries face uh, disaster risk, the resources that they say they don't have to put aside in the event of the disaster, they are going to need eventually. You know, they are going to need at some point because the disaster is going to come. So there is no point in carrying on your fiscal management on the assumption that you are not going to be hit by a hurricane. You are going to be hit by a hurricane. You don't know whether it's 2024 or 25 or 26, but it's going to happen. And you are then going to have to find resources. So, and, and it damages your economy it literally devastates the economy and impairs the economy's ability to create value. And we have lots of resources there too. So the resources are going to be called upon. It is cheaper to put aside the resources now to deal with it than to deal with it after the fact. So you need fewer resources if you put some aside. But it's not just a matter of putting some aside in a contingency fund, in a disaster management fund. That is only one of the things that governments can do. They can also take out disaster insurance. They can take out, uh, they can issue disaster bonds, payments of which are triggered, you know, by by quantitative measures of the impact of a disaster. In fact, Jamaica has issued some recently, and our Minister of Finance can can talk to the rest of the Caribbean about that because we have some experience with that. There is also spending that you can do on infrastructure resilience. Yes. You can make sure that the parts of your infrastructure, of your economic infrastructure, that tend to get damaged when you have a natural disaster are the ones that you invest in strengthening. So the economy's productive capacity does not decline by as much as it otherwise would when the hurricane hits. And finally, there is the Caribbean Catastrophe Risk Insurance Facility, the CCRIF, which is managed by the Caribbean Development Bank, which is an insurance scheme against natural disasters. And so every Caribbean country 
that is not participating should participate and participate in it to the full extent of their possible contributions. Yeah. Let's see if we have a couple of calls. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Satish, and, and to your guests. Satish, I'm going to make a statement and I just want a response on it. And I'm hearing the government and some supporters talking about TTRA and getting property tax and so on. Now, I have no problem with property tax. When we wait in which it, they want to bring it, I am saying that people may not be able to afford it. But my point is that if the government of the day should use agriculture for local consumption and export, that will do good for the country. To encourage manufacturing, that will do good for the country. And more so tourism, but we have to prepare the country to accept tourism. And that will bring revenue for the country. Now, in a failed economy as we are today, people do not have money to pay additional taxes. And therefore, if the government were to implement new taxes, we will not be able to afford to pay it. Where does the country go, therefore, if we continue in that vein? I thank you. Enjoy. Okay. Thank you so much for the question. Um, who would like to answer that? I'll take it. Well, okay, so... The gentleman makes several points. I think one of the one of the challenges we have in Trinidad and Tobago is that there's not sufficient being done on the part of the government to explain the whole issue of property tax. Now, most most um, most countries there is a property tax, and we used to pay property tax. So it used to be called um, land and building taxes, and then we went into a, a, a period where we simply are not paying it. The method that is being offered now and it is it is um Damien, I don't know if you are aware but um we have it's been quite some years now where we had a ax the tax um um scheme and therefore we've not been pay, paying property tax the government has indicated in this budget that it is going to um be starting to collect property tax again and it it's going to start with um residential properties and the formula that is being used is they're going to estimate a rental value for your property discounted by 10% and then calculate 3% of that. And that is what you're going to be paying on an annual basis. Um, so it, it it has since sent the indication, indicator that it is coming. We've talked a lot about the impact of all of these factors and the fact that, you know, when you add inflation, et cetera, that the economy, persons in the economy are are our capacity in this moment to 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 to, to take on additional burdens um it 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 is very difficult and while it is very difficult i think it is it it notwithstanding the difficulty the tax is coming and therefore persons need to make the adjustments in order to be able to deal with that just as increasing electricity rate is coming and and therefore we have to make the necessary adjustment um, but the, all of the other points that the, the, the gentleman raised in terms of reprioritizing, in terms of how we focus on things such as agriculture and tourism, et cetera, those are valid points. You know, I have, I have been speaking to those things repeatedly, and it really is in the context of the way forward that you talk about, you asked about Satish in terms of, and, and what the, the, the IMF is saying in terms of we need to address the structural rigidities within, within which of our, our economy that, that prevents us from being able to earn revenues from from multiple um, income streams. I know, and, and Damien could probably speak on it, I know Jamaica has been has been quite aggressive in its efforts towards economic diversification and focusing on, on, on multiple sectors in order to be able to drive its economy. Um, in Trinidad and Tobago, I do not think that we have been doing a, a much of a decent job on it. And largely because we the the romance that we have with oil and gas continues to re, to, to remain, 
and the fact that in in just only this week the United States has now um, uh, allowed for us to pay for gas from Venezuela in hard currency that even further solidifies the um, the continued dependence on, on oil and gas and we therefore go forth you know ignoring all else um, towards uh, shoring up that particular arrangement, which we need to do by all means. We're an oil and gas economy, particularly a gas economy. Our gas economy is declining. We do not have the supply of natural gas. And this could be the answer to that problem. And we need to continue very aggressively along that line. But simultaneously, we need to do what is necessary from a particularly from a policy perspective, in order to support the development of the other sectors that the gentleman spoke about and even others. Yeah. Um, so with, 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 with great sympathy and understanding to your caller, mm -hmm. I have bad news for people who are thinking the way he does. You know, I'm reading a, I'm reading a book right now by Ray Dalio called Principles. And one of the points he makes in that book is that you have to live in reality. You have to live in reality. And what that means in the present context is in relation to fiscal deficits. If government is engaging in expenditure, for which currently it doesn't have the revenue to meet, then that cannot continue indefinitely. You can borrow for a while, but at some point, expenditures have to be cut, which means public services, or revenue has to be raised. So to say property taxes should not be implemented or should not be raised is to say, here is something else I think we should be taxed instead. And it has to be something realistic that's going to raise the revenue. But taxes have to be raised. So the question really is not should property taxes, uh, you know, go up in Trinidad and Tobago? Question is, do we increase taxes now or do we borrow and have to increase taxes more later to repay the borrowing and, and, and the interest? That's point number one. Point number two, bad news number two, is that when you look at the range of ways that governments can raise revenue, there's a lot to be said for property taxes. And that is why nearly every country has them. Economists love taxes that do not distort economic activity. What the tax is, it disincentivizes whatever economic activity or whatever asset is taxed. The great thing about a land tax is that you can't disincentivize it. When you levy a tax on land, People are not going to get rid of land in the sense that, you know, it, they're going to sink it into the sea. Or people are less incentivized to produce more land. Land is not a produced asset. So it is the least distortive tax and the least damaging tax that a government can actually have. So in this context of ensuring good fiscal management and doing so in efficient and effective ways, a proper land tax at a proper rate is one of the best options a government faces. We need to take a couple quick 
messages and um, when we get back we'll encourage a couple more calls as well for those of you now joining us we are speaking here this morning pretty interesting issues with our special guest economist political analyst Indira Sajiwan and of course executive director Caribbean Policy Research Institute Dr. Damien King we've got for you at this point in time as we begin our messages a capsule report for you on the cricket that's going on take a listen to this good morning Kieran Powell scored 81 not out to lead the Leeward Islands Hurricanes to a comprehensive eight-wicket win over reigning champions Jamaica Scorpions in the latest Najikor Regional Super 50 match at the Brian Lara Academy in Taruba on Wednesday evening the Scorpions batted first in a match that started late because of rain and scored 123 all-out in 32 overs and 5 balls. Udin Smith was the top scorer with 26 and Ekuma Bana scored 24. Daniel Doram took 7 for 29 as the Leeward Islands' best bowler. In reply, Kieran Powell struck 6 sixes and 6 fours in a one-sided win as the Leewards get a win under their new captain, Alzari Joseph. The Super 50 continues this morning with the Trinidad and Tobago Red Force up against the Windward Island Volcanoes at the Queen's Park Oval from 9 a.m. That was a cricket report. I am Ian Wayson. Good morning. And we've got more of those for you. Freedom 106.5 bringing you all the action of Cricket West Indies CG. We've got cricket uh, capsules for you at 7.50 a.m., 1 p.m. and 5.05 p.m. It's 31 matches featuring the biggest names in West Indies cricket as eight superstar teams battle for the cup. Let's take some of your calls, 627-322-3625-2257. Hello, good morning. Morning, Satish, and to our listeners and the guests you have there. Now, I believe that I am the only citizen in this country that has a problem with taxation without accountability. I think people don't mind paying taxes, you know, but they're not accounting to us how to spend the money. And to me, it's a big problem. Would you like to comment on that, please? Thank you so much for the call. Uh, let's take another call before we get your responses. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Good morning, Not, 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 
because I, I was never condemned that. Why are you looking for the same income? And you decide to spend away your money, and I decide to develop my, my house and, and, and my, my property. I want to tax more than you because my property will have a higher rental value, even though I'm not, I'm not fixing it up for it, you know. I fix it up for my use and my family use. Thank you so much for your call. I guess let's uh, get the responses of our guests here this morning. Taxation and what it's used for, uh, that has been thrown into the mix. Is that a relevant discussion? Well, you know, I, I didn't hear the, the connection uh, that the second caller had was, was spotted. So I didn't really pick up much of what he was saying. Uh, in terms of you know people don't mind paying taxes people actually do mind paying taxes and everywhere you go whenever taxes are increased the people on whom those taxes are levied will always find a reason to object to it so people do mind paying taxes but the fact is one of the things that separates good effective government from the from the weaker variety is the ability and the willingness and the capacity to collect taxes if you look at a table of tax revenue relative to the size of the economy for all the countries in the world, you find a strong correlation between badly managed countries and poor countries having the lowest tax to GDP ratios and well-managed, uh, properly infrastructured, wealthy countries having high tax to GDP ratios. Okay, I think the country with the highest tax to GDP ratio in the world is probably Sweden or some or, or something like that. I haven't seen the very latest figures, so I can't say that with certainty. But the point is that as much as individuals don't like taxes, nobody wants to pay taxes. Uh, a government's willingness and ability to tax its population is a measure of good fiscal governance and so it really adds uh, the, the second thing i want to add to that is because the objective especially in countries in the caribbean uh because of the structural economies and the skewness of our income distributions it's not easy to be able to extract tax revenue and so the, the most important consideration that governments need to pay attention to and societies need to pay attention to is the ability of the tax to actually raise revenue. And when you get into using taxation to micromanage your economy, to, to incentivize and disincentivize, then you actually weaken the ability of that tax to generate revenue. So, so Caribbean governments, and this absolutely applies completely to Trinidad and Tobago because of a particular vulnerability that it has, that it is to concentrate on levying taxes that most efficiently raises revenue and then uses the expenditure side of the budget to try to manipulate the economy and to achieve social objectives. And I say it applies particularly to TNT because TNT doesn't face the vulnerability of hurricanes, but it does face the vulnerability of fluctuating oil prices, fluctuating world oil and gas prices. And it's a huge vulnerability. And oil and gas prices globally are going to go down again. 
and it doesn't currently have the fiscal resilience to meet that time when it comes. So it is, it is incumbent on the government to now, before oil and gas prices go down, to find an effective and robust way to raise tax revenue and to balance the budget. Um, and yeah, if I can, I agree with all all all, all that is Damien said, but I I want to be and there's an important point you made, which is a correlation between the countries that are most effective at tax collection and their level of wealth, their level of development, and it to me it has to do with how taxes are used, and the the caller I think the caller spoke specifically to that issue that it is wanting to collect our uh, to collect taxes but people i think want to feel a sense that my tax money is well spent on my behalf and in countries and i can speak specifically to Trinidad and Tobago there is that sense that that does not happen if collection of taxes is an is and of itself um, simply meant to collect revenues, then certainly I agree with you. But at the end of the day, when a government collects its taxes, it must use those taxes in order to improve the lot of its citizenry, whether it is in the provision of social services or in, on, in, in the use of those money in order to increase the infrastructure for it, for increasing growth, et cetera. And, and I think that a strong lament in Trinidad and Tobago is the fact that taxes, especially when there are when it's specific tax like a land and building tax, which if we look at, at developed countries where it is done and quite efficiently, it can be linked back to the region in which you live, the increased quality of of, of infrastructure, of schools, of um, collection of garbage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And to the extent that these things are extremely inefficient, even in the period when taxes were collected, is the issue that that must be put on the table. Tax collection is one thing, but accountability in terms of how you spend those taxes on behalf of the people, I think it is extremely important. So that we could get to that point as as well where even though we don't want to pay tax but when we pay the taxes we are we can rock back and say okay comfortably i'm sure that the garbage truck is going to come three times a week i am and and, and it's going to be collected i'm sure the roads in my area are going to be um are going to be well maintained the schools in my area are going to have all the resources they need in order to be able to um to to, you know, to deliver efficiently on the education system and that, therefore, that disconnect between one and the other is something that needs to be addressed. So, for example, we know pop the, the property tax money is going to be collected, but how is that money going to reach down to the ground in terms of the regional le uh, level to impact the community at the community level is the question that is being asked and not being answered. Yeah, we need to stick up in there because news is next. We'll continue this discussion right after the 8 o'clock news. And for those of you trying to get on via the phones, we'll take your calls right after 8 o'clock as well. Those of you, if you've missed uh, the beginning of our show, we're speaking this morning with economist, political analyst, and Dirisa Jiwan, and of course, Executive Director, Caribbean Policy Research Institute, Dr. Damien King. News is next, and we'll be right back. Stay with us.
three and a half minutes after eight. The final hour of our show here this morning with us, our special guests, economist, political analyst, and Jira Sajiwan, and executive director of the Caribbean Policy Research Institute, Dr. Damien King. Let's take a couple of your calls as we begin, as we resume, rather. Hello, good morning. Morning, Zatish. Morning, and morning to your guests. Um, one thing I've, I've learned, and no, no, people, governments tax people. But I want to inform the gentleman from Jamaica that in this country, our tax dollars are being squandered by, by projects that don't mean anything to the, to, the, to the population. And to me, that is a form of expense, a form of savings that we could save if we could cut out the corruption in, this, in, in government in this country. We pay billions and billions of dollars for projects that worth 200 million, right? Now, you telling me that the taxpayer have to foot that bill? And I think that taxing a poor man, right, to pay for something to serve a corporate interest in this country is unfair to the population. Governments in the Caribbean have to do some retrospection of, of themselves, of how they spend people's money that is the that is the form of of revenue that I think that is, that is, that should be looked at rather than taxing people. Okay, thank you so much for your call. No, may I? Yes, go right ahead. You know, it's I, I have an advantage because I'm not in Trinidad and Tobago at the moment <laughs> because I don't have to I don't have to leave the studio or my office and go out onto the street and have to go exactly. But again. Again, I have I have bad news for the caller, and it has to do with living in reality. Now, again, in every country in the let Caribbean, me, me people want the government to cut waste and corruption. But if you examine the estimates of expenditure issued by the Ministry of Finance, and you go down line by line, all of the several hundred pages, you see no allocation for corruption and waste. You see no item where expenditure is dedicated to corruption and waste. So that means that it's something that a Minister of Finance can make a decision to cut. Yes, there is waste and there is corruption, but you can't view that as an alternative because that requires the kind of institutional change and time frame and uncertain effort. What the government does have control over is taxation. Jamaica has a tax to GDP ratio of 26%. Trinidad and Tobago has a tax to GDP ratio of 22%. So one might want to consider, and Jamaica has a balanced budget, has a balanced budget for the last 10 years. So one actually want to consider that the residents of TNT are under taxed. So while the difficulty of cutting waste and corruption remains, and the obligation to minimize it, waste and corruption remains, if the, if the budget is going to be balanced in a, in a reasonable time frame, the government has to look at tax increases. Mm -hmm. um, Reality. Yeah. Message to Johnny, can weigh in on this one as well? No, I, I think I think that it was adequately covered. Yeah. Okay, great. And, and, I mean, in fact, and it is it is where we are in fact going, isn't it? We yeah. are 
um, that is exactly what is happening or at- attempting to take place. Let's take another call. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning, um, Satish. Um, Ms. Sachiwan Ali, the Green Tom lady. I hope you're still planting. Auntie, other guests from Jimmy Kitty. Good morning to all of you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know if you all will agree with me or not, but I believe that the, a feature of a truly diversified economy is a reduced dependence by government on taxation from the, um, the citizens. I believe that. I believe that if there's enough foreign direct investment, um, government's recurrent expenditure is properly controlled, then there will not be the need to make... Um, I'll give you an example. Every time my finance minister appears before me for a budget presentation, he increases something that is going to increase the cost of living in this country or um, reduce our uh, standard of living. Every time, every budget presentation, there, there are taxes that are, are exponential. Of course, what? Um, fuel, um, the cost of fuel, um, um, cost of electricity. Um, these are things that have an impact across, across the board. All goods and services will increase when you... Every time the finance minister appears before us, he has to make an increase on one of those things. And it, it's quite unfortunate. And, and it has, it, I, I, don't know, I don't know what you all feel about it, but I feel that an econ- economy that is properly and, and, and well diversified will not have the need for, for that consistent increase in, in, in taxes across the board. I thank you. Thank you for your call. Let's take another one before we get your responses. Hello, good morning. I would like to bring it to your two guests here. My calculation of the national debt, right? right now, is between uh, about 150 billion TT. Uh, that's my calculation, eh? About uh, it. Oh, it's the zero. I also believe that the Minister of Finance refuses to tell us the national debt and how much of our income per annum is spent on, on debt servicing. So my, when I did my research on actual by various economists, I got the figure about 150 billion national total national debt. And our interest per annum is about 11 to 12 billion dollars from our budget. Would you like to comment on that, sir? Okay. Thank you so much for your call. Let's get your responses. Damien, you're on a roll. I am going to allow you to continue. Well, I wasn't able to hear him so well, so if I could. Okay. The, 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 well. first, the first caller spoke about um, a government's reduced reliance on taxation. Yeah, I got the first caller, the second uh, caller. The second one spoke about national debt and and uh, um, dealing with national quoted. debt. And quoted his own um, um, calculations his, his with own respect cal- to the national debt. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I mean, if if the, if, the, if the national debt is a concern, then you want your government to raise taxes. Because the alternative... To, to raising taxes is to keep borrowing. So, so that seems to be a, seems to me to be a simple trade-off. But the other alternative, though, to um, raising taxes, is to cut expenditure. Or cut expenditure. Yeah, uh, you know. Uh, I'll, I mean, but, but but you have to identify an actual line item. Well, now, when you what is the thing that you want government to spend less on? And and, 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 and this. And this may not be popular in Trinidad, but certainly, you know, it's not sustainable to have a budget where you have about 50% in transfer payments. So, you know, it is certainly um, an area that I think needs to be looked at. And to me, it needs to be looked at from a perspective in terms of how 
we define development and how we define how we support mm. the, the vulnerable in our society and and in we we um define success and supporting the vulnerable as simply giving them a handout mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to develop programs and mechanisms that we spend money on that could over time reduce the amount of money that we spend on. So to me, you know, looking and addressing some of these kinds of, of very fundamental issues are ways in which um, we can over time see a reduction on the national spend and as a consequence, you know, move more and more towards that kind of balanced budget that we that we want to get. Uh, we're coming close to the end of our interview here this morning, um, and there's a question that I'd pose, and probably now might be the best time to get into it, the way forward, and some of the things that um, we here at home should be doing across the region as well. Um, let's start with you, Mr. Ju, and tell us some of your your ideas. You've said some of those before. I'm positive. Oh, gosh, yeah. um, I know. you. I mean, society, I mean, I've been on this program so many <laughs> times, you know, and, and in other spaces, you know, I've talked about it. In my view, if 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 the objective is to move more and more towards fiscal responsibility and balancing, uh, running balanced budget, reducing our national, our national indebtedness, etc., um, there are one or two things that you have to do. You either cut expenditure or you re- re- cre- increase your sources of revenue. And yes, um, taxes are one of the probably simplest forms in which to increase our um, our revenue inflow. And Trinidad and Tobago in particular needs to get more efficient in terms of the way we do that. But certainly when you look at the kind of resources that a Trinidad and Tobago has had and still do, does have, I think a heavier focus um, should be placed on how we grow our capacity to generate revenue, how we extend our, 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 our restructure the economic base of Trinidad and Tobago to move it, uh, to, to make it less and less dependent on natural gas and its derivatives and more and more um, uh, structured in a way where we have other very important sectors growing, contributing to employment generation. If we can contribute more and more to employment generation through other sectors, then we will be persons will be earning income. And many of the problems that we have will not arise because we'll be we'll be capturing taxes from a larger number of people, increasing our revenue flows. And, and you know the possibilities are endless in terms of that. I have spoken to the you know many of the areas is so many times in terms of where we need to focus on. Callers have mentioned some of them here. So to me it is it is a two edged sword. It is on the one hand cutting expenditure in a creative manner. I've spoken about the issue of the transfer payments and taking a different approach to how we support the vulnerable in the country. And I think, you know, that kind of holistic approach is what we need. But unfortunately, um, the fiscal uh, medium in this part of the world tends to be more a political tool rather than a tool of economic, um, of effective. Uh, economic management and therein lies a major part of the problem. Yeah. Dr. King, uh, your suggestions for us here at home in the region moving forward? Okay. Well, it's really pulling together a lot of what has come out in this discussion. Uh, as a result of the, 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 the context,